Hi, everybody, and welcome to part two of episode one, What is Love? This is Melissa Allen, and today I have a very special guest with me. I'd like to introduce she was actually on my other podcast and was highly requested to return to future episodes, which remain unpublished, but <laughs> just wanted to welcome everybody, uh, or rather welcome you to the show. This is my daughter, Tiana Allen. Say hi, Tiana. Hi. How are you feeling? I'm feeling good. Did mommy kind of pressure you into this impromptu episode? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it took a bit of convincing, but I'm here. Oh, I'm so happy to have you here. I thought it'd be really great to talk about self-love with someone who is on her own self-love journey and has a totally different experience than I had growing up. So she's going to be here to help us out a little bit here and there. And if comfortable, are you comfortable? You can share if you are. But um, so I'll just start off today by just going over the definition of self-love. So self-love, according to the Oxford Dictionary, is a noun Regard for one's well-being and happiness, chiefly considered as a desirable rather than a narcissistic characteristic. So self-love as defined in this is talking about one's own happiness and not vanity or selfishness, conceit, egotism, or narcissism. So I just wanted to go a little bit further, and if you'd be able to help me out, Tiana, we're going to go to Psych Central's definition of self-love. And, you know, when you're ready, Tiana, just kind of read off some of these of what does self-love look like. Okay, so according to Psych Central, self-love looks like saying positive things to yourself, forgiving yourself when you mess up, meeting your own needs, being assertive, not letting others take advantage of or abuse you, prioritizing your health and well-being, Spending time around people who support you and build you up and avoiding people who don't. Asking for help. Letting go of grudges or anger that holds you back. Recognizing your strengths. Valuing your feelings. Making healthy choices most of the time. Living in accordance with your values. Pursuing your interests and goals. Challenging yourself. Holding yourself accountable. Giving yourself healthy treats. Accepting your imperfections setting realistic expectations, and noticing your progress and effort. Thank you. So beautifully read. But yes, so those are some basic definitions or descriptions of what self-care looks like. Anything that you read that may have stood out to you? Um, one thing that stood out to me was making healthy choices most of the time. Because mm-hmm. that was something that I used to struggle with myself. What do you mean by that? I mean that like... Before, remember, I used to get sick a lot. I used to not drink enough water in the day. I used okay. to not eat a lot. I used to not lotion when I got out the shower. I used to not do my hair before I go to school and stuff like that. So that kind of resonated with me. Okay. Well, I actually um, can't agree with you that, you know, taking care of your, your health, your physical health, um, your physical appearance and hygiene is definitely demonstrates, is definitely demonstrates self-care. Um, what about forgiving yourself when you mess up? Is that something that you feel like you, cha- you, you encounter as a challenge? Uh, yes, I do encounter that as a challenge, especially with school. 
like I hold myself to such high expectations so that when I don't meet those expectations it's really hard to like bounce back from that and to realize that it's okay to mess up sometimes <laughs> and I get really anxious about it so that's something that I struggle with so forgiveness is self-love yes what about you know something that stood out to me is the being assertive part because I feel like as women especially women of color that we tend to struggle with the being assertion especially because of the whole ABW angry black woman syndrome <laughs> that is stereotypical uh, t- stereotypically assigned to us but um do you feel like you have challenges being assertive like if you had to speak up for yourself or you had to express a need could you do that effectively I feel like in the past I did struggle with that a lot but now I'm, it's much easier for me to speak up for myself because people like you who gave me the sort of confidence to be able to speak up for myself. But like, I think you remember, you always had to tell me to be assertive when I was younger because actually I remember the story when um, one time when I was getting off the bus, <laughs> my bully Are you going to share head. that? Go ahead, share it. You can share the story. Oh, um, yeah. So when I was like a lot younger, I don't know, how old was I? Like six? Seven? Oh, yeah. You're about six or seven, I would say. You were in early elementary age. Yes, uh, the girl that I took the bus home with uh, ended up stealing my headband from school and taking it home. And when I ended up telling my mom about it, she made me go to the girl's house and demand to get my headband back. And I think that was one of the steps that helped me to be able to assert uh, for myself what I need something. I, I think it was, you know, back then, I just really didn't want you to be bullied because I was bullied in school a lot. But I'm glad that you did gather something really positive from from it because you know a lot of times especially because the girl was a few grades ahead of my daughter you know she was I think my daughter was in first grade she was in fourth grade so I was not going to let her start off you know being in a position of intimidation where she felt you know intimidated by someone because they were older than her I wanted her to feel comfortable expressing her concerns expressing her needs and this is something that I struggled with growing up, so I I was very hard on Tiana. I wanted her to know, like, Tiana, speak up, speak up. I used to get so upset with her, like, when her friends came over and played, I'd be like, you could tell them to clean up. You don't have to be the only one to clean up. You guys make a mess together, you clean up together. So it was something that, and and she does assert herself very well. Um, Thank you for sharing that example. Um, So holding yourself accountable do you struggle in that area or, or or can you own something like are you okay with taking onus when you're responsible for something i feel like before again <laughs> when i was younger i really didn't take responsibility for my mistakes but now as i'm older i feel like when i was younger i thought more emotionally and now i'm more of a logical thinker so like now when i'm in a situation, I recognize my wrongs and the other person's wrongs. Like, I don't think just because I'm mad, it's totally their fault. I'm able to be able to assess what's wrong with me as well. Okay. And I think that's actually something I've experienced the opposite with you. I was overly accountable when I was growing up. I always took responsibility or I blame myself for a lot of what happened. Like, if a friendship didn't work out, it was my fault. 
if something went wrong, I had something to do with it. So I did a lot of self-blaming. And so I was like overly accountable for everyone's actions. And so I had to work in the opposite way than you had to. And, you know, now I'm able to say, "Uh uh-uh, hold up. Like, this was the role that I played, but you also played that role. Yeah. (laughs) And and so so we we, we made it to the middle. Yeah, we did. We made it to the middle. We just came from opposite ends of the spectrum, but we made it to the middle. And, um, you know, the beautiful thing about my daughter and I, when we do these podcasts, even when I do it individually, we do not rehearse anything. (laughs) Like, we really come here and we speak about these things in real time. There's no outline. There's, <laughs> there's no warning. <laughs> what you see is what you get. And we do not edit. Yep. So, <laughs> so it's raw and authentic. But, yeah, so it, it's just really great. I think it's, what, you know what, something, asking for help. Because that's something that I still struggle with to this day in my self-care journey. How do you feel asking for help? I feel that sometimes it's hard because sometimes you really want to, like, do things by yourself I guess like whether it's because of your ego or another reason like mm-hmm. it kind of makes you think that like you feel weak if you're asking for help or like you just can't do it by yourself but mm. sometimes it's just like you need to understand that you need that help to mm-hmm. help you go forward instead of trying to do everything by yourself so you're perpetuating the cultural norm that your mom was taught by your grandmother <laughs> and taught by your great-grandmother because it's it's something that I still struggle with, to be honest. Like, I have a very difficult time asking for help. I feel like I have to always come up with a solution on my own or find my way out by myself. And sometimes to my own detriment. Because it would be so much easier just to be like, hey, like, I need help. Instead of bearing all that pressure by myself when there are people who can help me, especially when you're a giver. When you're a giver, you have to also learn how to receive. And that's part of self-love is being able to to receive instead of just giving. Because if you're giving, 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 and no one's pouring back into you, then you're not loving on yourself. You have to receive as well. Um, so what about saying positive things about yourself? Hmm. I feel like that's hard in today's society because people normalize saying things like, oh my gosh, I hate myself, I'm going to kill myself, and stuff like that. Like, And even if it's as a joke, like mm-hmm. eventually if you keep repeating these things or releasing them into the atmosphere, you're going to eventually start believing them, and that's what leads people to start hating themselves and drifting away from the self-love. Yeah, you know, Mommy's a really big fan of, uh, or excuse me, Melissa is a really big fan of DBT. Um, dialectical behavioral therapy and you know one of the things that, that dbt says is that you know while it's okay to acknowledge that you may feel that way that raw core emotion in the moment that you don't prolong the pain by suffering you can say hey i don't feel attractive in this moment but it's a temporary feeling because emotions are not factual they are temporary expressions of self so, like, I can be mad right now with you, and then I can love you five minutes later. So, once you focus on that part, you don't get attached to that feeling. Like, you let it just go. Like Because, like, you don't feel your best. I don't always feel my best. I don't wake up out of bed every morning and say, 
oh my God, I just want to hug on myself today and look in the mirror and see everything beautiful about me. <laughs> you know, some days I'm pretty much like, oh my gosh, like, why are these dark circles under my eye? And why are my feet so wide? And, you know, it's just, you'll find reason to pick at yourself, but you have to then, you know, tell yourself it's okay to feel that way because that's part of being human is to have, you know, um, a, a temperament, but at, or on the other hand, you have to challenge that distortion right away say okay I'm not gonna allow myself to feel like this <laughs> like all day now like yeah my feet are wide I accepted it let's move on <laughs> like, they have shoes in wide right <laughs> so yeah I'm just saying but um but like that's a good one um is there anything else I mean you can pick this time um uh not letting others take advantage of you or abuse you Ooh. That hit home. That hit home. So, what made you pick that? Um, Because I remember I was in a situation Mm -hmm. before where I was being taken advantage of Mm -hmm. people, and I didn't realize before it was too late. I don't know if you remember, but in seventh grade, those girls. Yeah, I remember. After they used me. Do I remember. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, I had to learn to, like, it's okay to help people, but I feel like you have to set limits mm-hmm. to your, like, niceness. Mm-hmm. So you can't be um, giving all of yourself to someone else and not giving any to yourself. It's going to drain you, and you're just not going to end up feeling good in the end. Yeah. No, real talk. And I really, like, appreciate that, you saying that, because that's, like, a big problem. I believe every... Uh, romantic partner that I've had has always had that as a significant (laughs) complaint that they watch me deplete my energy for other people and watch people drain my energy and knowing that they shouldn't do it but knowing that I'd never say no so learning how to set those limits and saying no is definitely um, healthy and 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 a part of a a huge part of self-love is setting boundaries um Thank you for sharing that. So I just wanted to go over this. I know we touched on it. Um, Tiana, you did listen to the episode with me. But in part one of this episode, we touched on um, emotional invalidation and how that affects how we love ourselves, how we express emotion, um, how we engage with others and how we genuinely feel about love right so you remember in the episode where I was saying that I had a hard time seeing the 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 love or my version of love as toxic or unhealthy because it was a norm for me so in validating environments um I believe I have something here about it and just to give credit to the author my daughter knows I love to give credit to the author because I've written so many articles. I mean, I've written so many articles and lit reviews in school that <laughs> it's a lot of work that goes into it. So we're going to give credit. So the, art, the, um, the authors for this particular um, research study that was done on emotional invalidation in childhood was by LZM and Carver M and was published in the year 2018. So let me just find it. I don't know if you'd be a dear and read that uh, 
first paragraph for me. Okay. An environment perceived as invalidating generally means that the child grows up feeling that his, her, or they emotional feelings, emotional responses are not correct or considered in the regular course of things. Okay. And can you read the last sentence there? Over time, environmental invalidation can result in confusion and a general distrust of a person's own emotions. Okay. And let's read this last one here. In an invalidating environment, a child receives messages that he or she should learn to cope with emotions internally and without support from his or her parents. So do you see like how that can affect your self-love journey? Yes. Because if you're being told that loving yourself or expressing love in general is wrong, invalid, bad, shameful, then you're probably not going to engage in (laughs) the healthy practice of love. Because you're not going to go against what's a norm for your environment. You you, You would have to then be like the 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 outlier in that environment, like the person who presents as the anomaly. So I was saying in the first episode that I grew up in an invalidating environment. Mine was because faith was just like a very significant part of my upbringing. And so the idea was to um, make sure that I stayed aligned with faith And if that meant I had to suppress my feelings and emotions and my expressions of positive love, then that was healthy for the sake of maintaining a spiritual connection. Now, this is a very hard question I'm going to ask you, and I want you to be very unbiased as possible, even though your mom is sitting right here in front of you. (laughs) And you can be very honest because this is the whole part of us doing this is just holding a mirror to ourselves and learning about ourselves and what we need to change in our lives to be optimal and healthy. So what would you say your environment was like? Do you feel like there was some invalidations there? And you can even say, because if, if I invalidated you, and, and that's something that also helps me because that reflection helps me learn more about me. Um, I feel like I didn't grow up in an invalidating environment. I feel like, um, well, when I was younger, I was very good at expressing how I felt. But as I got older, I felt like I got more conceited. And I feel like you've been trying to get me to express when I need help and stuff like that. As you know, it took me a long time to even consider going to therapy at first. Because (laughs) I kept trying to deal with all my problems by myself and thought that I could do it. I guess it was a sort of pride that I had. But, like, you kind of helped me to realize that I had, that it was okay to say that I wasn't okay and to get the help I need. So you feel like you're supported. So if you felt sad, if you felt upset, if you felt happy, if you felt like you wanted to express any form of love, that you were fully supported by your mother and father to do so. I do. You do? I do. How does it feel saying I love you? Because I I, I, I spoke from my perspective in the episode one, but what did it feel like for you? Um, It really depends on the person. I feel like for um, you, my dad, my brother, I feel like that came naturally to me. Like, I always was able to say I love you to you guys because that's how I truly felt. But I know that I have certain friends at school and stuff who, like, are, like, 
you know, who say love you and stuff when we're leaving from school. And mm-hmm. I think I kind of felt an issue saying I love you back to them. Because it was just... It, it just wasn't... It didn't come naturally. Yeah, it was different. Yeah. And, and, and that's okay. You know, that's okay because at, 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 at some point, you know, you have to do some introspection and see, well, why does it feel comfortable like, or uncomfortable to say it to certain people? And that's okay. That's what I had to do. And for me, it was uncomfortable to say it to just about everyone, not even, even my own family. <laughs> but to hear you saying that you, you feel comfortable saying it to family and, and people that you consider close to you, you know, makes me feel like there's been some healthy transition from my generation to your generation. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, that's, that's really great news. And, um, you know, that's why I was, I was actually glad when I saw her. I said, hey, come record, you know, something with me. And, and I forced her to listen to the episode first. And then I said, hey, what are you doing? Let's record, you know, part two. But it's good to have you here because then you also get to help me reflect and help me to gain more understanding about it, my own journey and what I need to continue to work on. Because it's, it's ongoing. It's ongoing maintenance. It definitely is. Um, so to validate, so we're going to do the opposite of that. So you said something that you said you felt like you were in a, valid, in a validating environment. So to validate means according to dialectical behavioral therapy dbt to acknowledge the validity in what someone else is thinking saying feeling and that is very essential because what people don't realize is that validation does not mean that you agree or accept what the other person thinks feels or says it just simply means that you acknowledge it that 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 you're not necessarily understanding because you can't truly understand what other people are experiencing, but that you're willing to try to gain an understanding of, that you're willing to learn, that you're willing to, you know, try to understand where the other is coming from, another perspective, even if it's something that you don't agree with. Um, that happens a lot in when I do my, my groups uh, during the week. Uh, sometimes the members don't necessarily agree with the curriculum that's being taught but you know I'm always able to say hey well you know I'd like to try to understand where you're coming from so share it with us in a constructive manner and I allow them to share and then if someone gets upset I said okay well you're allowed to have that emotion you can own that emotion we can validate that emotion but you also have to equally respect the opposite emotion because we're not going to always agree with things so Validation helps you to feel supported so that you feel more comfortable expressing yourself, your feelings, whether those are positive feelings or whether those are negative feelings. And that helps you, again, to embrace yourself. Because if I, if I can, you know, accept that I'm happy, sad, mad, disappointed, hurt, then I can love myself more because I'm embracing myself intimately. And that's what I was speaking about, too, like that intimate embracing of self, like getting to know yourself more personally than anyone has gotten to know you. Because when you know yourself more than any, anyone and you love yourself more than anyone, guess what? You, you better understand your needs. You know what you need, what you want, what you, what you don't want, what you like, what you dislike. And these are really great things. Um, 
So lastly, I just want to touch on um, toxic. Toxic. So that's something that comes up a lot. I know you hear it a lot. Young people use that word toxic a lot. Oh, you're toxic. That's toxic. This is toxic. What does toxic mean to you? Well, anything that's toxic um, would just be something that's bad for you. Like something that's making you feel bad or that's damaging you in like a psychological way. Mm Mm-hmm. And when you say damaging, like psychologically, like do you do you mean it just can hurt your self esteem or um, make you feel unsure, uncertain? I feel like it can do all of that. Anything that makes you feel less than what you should feel or less than your worth or anything like that mm-hmm. would be considered toxic. Mm-hmm. So, I, I I definitely feel like. What you said is very valid because, you know, toxicity is the opposite of health, but sometimes it can appear healthy. Like when you feel attracted to, you remember what I said in the first episode where I was attracted to what I was familiar with, what felt like an environment that I had a belonging or a connection to. And even though that was unhealthy, it felt healthy because it was what I felt was a norm or what I was used to so that's something to to know like you have to know it's toxic first because it might just look like love to you it might smell like it feel like it tastes like it (laughs) and you know what they say everything that glitters isn't gold right yeah so toxic um so when a relationship is toxic it's problematic Usually toxic relationships present because you have really high highs and then you also have the low lows. Like there's a lot of fighting. There's a lot of dissension. There's a lot of, um, you know, uh, like hurt, name calling. Um, there's a lot of uh, abuse and abuse comes in many forms, physically, mentally, emotionally, economically. There's a lot of abuse. Even something that I've been uh, talking about recently with my own clients is is, is, is church abuse, religious abuse that also happens. But so toxic love is something that is, like I said, sometimes it forms and presents like healthy love, but it's not. And the only way to know it is to actually have the insight that it's not, which was the hardest part of my journey. But um, yes, so thank you. It wasn't too bad, right? <laughs> so thank you all for joining in in part two of episode one, What is Love? And I shall continue to record and publish. If you all want to have Tiana come back here, just please send me an email. The email address is O to love, O-W-E-D-T-O-L-O-V-E. 2021 at gmail.com that's ode to love 2021 at gmail.com please leave us feedback and let us know uh, your thoughts or opinions anything we value it we appreciate you take care and have a good day